Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. And try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. What do we know about Star Trek the Animated Series? Literally only that it is an animated version of the original series. I don't think, I, and that just the general sense that it's pretty silly because it was intended to be like a kid's, you know, Saturday morning cartoon. That's, that's all I know about it. Yeah, I think it's sort of from that similar era of like cheap animation that like was like Sequest and, and um, oh God. You know, where they would, like, rotoscope over live-action footage sometimes, like, to get character people's faces and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, that's just vaguely from having seen, like, a couple screenshots of it. It kind of looks like that era of animation. Yeah, like, they were just trying... I, I have no delusions that this was anything artistic, even vaguely. This was an attempt to cash in on the popularity of the original series, Star Trek, but make it palatable for children so maybe they could sell toys or something yeah i know that it's kind of much maligned like i know in the fandom it's like there's a lot of people like oh that's not like it's i don't even think it's canon no no absolutely not canon i'm sure it's not no no that's the thing is it was intended you have you seen have you rewatched any of the cartoons from our childhood no deliberately so yeah they're nonsense they're absolute plot garbage nothing makes any sense and i'm sure it's absolutely in that wheelhouse there was no sense then of cartoons being enjoyed by adults yeah so yeah it's the original series which i have seen a number of episodes of but not all of the original series as much as i grew up on tng i have tried many times as an adult to do a full watch through of tos and i always get stuck at some point because there are things about tos that i love but it's Well, and, and as with most television in that era, like, yeah. there's there's not a, a particularly strong hewing to canon and anything like that. Like, I think one of the reasons that TOS grew to be such a cultural phenomenon is that it it was just so ubiquitous almost from the get-go. Like, each of the... Even though it only ran for three seasons, like... Well, I, I know like, that they had a bit of a struggle with the first season. Like, there was a big fan movement to keep it on the no, air. No, I'm, I'm sorry... When I say ubiquitous from the get-go, I mean from its original airing of the three seasons. Oh, oh, okay. Because they churned out, like, what is it, like, 96 or, like, 105 episodes or however many. It was, like, 34, 35 episodes a season. Uh-huh. It, like, even though it only ran for three seasons, like, it hit that syndication number yeah. and just immediately went into rotation. That's what I mean by ubiquitous. And, and yet, okay. this animated series, like, has no conscious... Like, yeah. I know nothing I, yeah, about it. I very it. much have the sense that it, it's a thing that happened, and it's it's sort of a, what's the word I'm looking for, as a novelty. If Trek fans still watch it, it's as a novelty, not because it has any particular value. That yeah. is the impression I've gotten. So. I, I am very excited to check it out, yeah. just because we were sad that the rules we set for this show meant we couldn't watch any of the Star Treks together, but we found a Star Trek. Yeah, that neither that of us have seen any of, and it, it counts. So, yeah, here we go. Let's watch that animated series. All right. So we've just watched Beyond the Furthest Star. Excuse me, strangely. Beyond the Farthest Star. Ah, Beyond the Farthest Star. Not Farthest. The first episode of this animated Star Trek series. Yes. Um, 
It's a thing. Uh, synopsis, I guess. Yeah, let's get uh, that synopsis out of the way. Synopsis. When the crew encounters an abandoned alien ship, a strange force bent on escaping its planet attempts to take control of the Enterprise. Danger ensues. Conveniently enough, that is the synopsis of a bunch of original series episodes as well. Yeah. <laughs> Not an especially unique uh, premise for their first episode. Yeah. What a shock. They didn't put a lot of effort into writing really, really creative plots for a children's program in the 70s? Amazing. But they did have all the original cast. Yeah, this was something I did not know. I assumed it would be voiced by sound-alike voice actors doing doing impressions. Yeah. I mean, they, they couldn't even get the Beatles to do the voices in Yellow Submarine. <laughs> How did they get the TOS cast to do this ridiculous cartoon? So initially, Filmation, uh, I'm just going to read this paragraph from Wikipedia, just just a direct quote. Initially, Filmation was only going to use the voices of William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and DeForest Kelly, Doohan, and Barrett. Uh, James Doohan and Majel Barrett would also perform the voices of Sulu and Uhura. That's weird considering that Barrett isn't even in the pilot. No. You see Nurse Chapel in the yes. background, but she doesn't speak. Right. Uh, does the computer speak? Nope. No, there's no computer speaking because she was also the voice of the computer. Uh, Nimoy refused to voice Spock in the series unless Nichelle Nichols and George Takei were added to the cast, claiming that Sulu and Uhura were of importance as they were proof of the ethnic diversity of the 23rd century and should not be recast. Nimoy also took this stand as a matter of principle as he knew of the financial troubles many of his Star Trek co-stars were facing after the cancellation of the series. No, well, that makes sense if the cartoon was after the show was over. Yes. I didn't know that it was after. Also, that makes sense. though Koenig didn't voice uh, Chekhov in the series, he got to write an episode of the animated series later. So, little fun fact about Wal- Walther. Random. Koenig. Anyway. Was, uh, was the episode he wrote about nuclear vessels? No. Sorry. He wrote an episode called The Infinite Vulcan which had plot elements from the original Star Trek episode, Space Seed, blended into it. Oh! So when Khan really? remembers him later, it could have been a slight glitch in the animated, non-animated universe boundary. <laughs> we must talk about what we got wrong, which is nothing. Yeah, I... I think our what we know is... Oh, the only thing I think that was kind of off was I said I expected it to be pretty silly. Yeah. And... Even though it's very bad, because it was written for kids, I expected them to go more silly with it, have more kid elements. I expected it to be kind of tribbles all the way down, you know? Yeah. Tribble-like episodes every single time. And instead, this was actually just felt like they went, oh, finally, we're no longer constrained by the budgetary and special effects limits of the age. We can show giant, crazy alien ships and aliens that look like bugs, and we can have huge, fancy technology things, and they can have, you know, powered uh, uh, life support suits that just glow around them and whatever. We could do all these fun things. It just felt like they were doing that instead of going, all right, what are the kids like? The kids like crazy monsters and stuff. Didn't have any budget to draw Sulu's legs. (laughs) Well... We'll get into that. There's plenty of uh, half-assed uh, animation in this. Uh, All right. To make a meal of. Shall but... we? Uh, shall we head into this recap then, Sarah? 
Yeah. Um, they start with, they're on a mission to chart some stars. They kept saying, our mission, star charting. And I'm like, that sounds like an insult somehow. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, why don't you go get back to your star charting? I don't know why it sounded like rude to me. Yeah. Instead of a thing that they would actually be doing. But, or like a very boring mission. Right. But then... Yeah, charting some stars, <laughs> you know. But then... You scruffy star charter. <laughs> Sorry. But then uh, the Enterprise all of a sudden starts getting pulled toward uh, a point in space. They get pulled off course by... Pulled towards this planet with, it's like, a, incredible... It's a dead star. Oh, it's, it's a, a dead, dead star. A with dead like a... star. Ooh, dead star. Ooh, dead star. <laughs> please, please. Dead star is my father. <laughs> Mr. Deadster is my father. They Yes, the, the gravity is pulling them in. They're losing control of the ship. And then they manage to enter its orbit and kind of, like, level off and stop not crashing to the... Yeah. Star. And then they go, which, oh. which, can you imagine if they hadn't had Sulu there? They would have been boned. That was some fancy flying. Yeah. Yeah, and they almost didn't have Sulu there. They almost had oh. James Doohan doing a Sulu impression. Oh my God, impression. How, Oh God, that would have been so bad. Which, if you've listened to, I forget what the collection is called. It's a collection of Star Trek audiobooks. One is read by Leonard Nimoy. One is read by uh, George Takei. And one is read by James Doohan. And they all in the audiobooks do impressions of each of, other of each other which is probably hilarious it is and i gotta say i'm glad james doohan didn't end up doing sula's voice because his impression of george decay is not so good no so they managed to get into orbit around the deadster yeah and <laughs> the deadster Reno. <laughs> then they see the, oh, no, Uhura, mm-hmm. um, who's, like, weirdly lounging in her chair in yeah. all of the, like, aerial shots. Yeah. Go, go, shots of the... Everyone's just sitting in their chairs. And she's doing this weird, like, she's kind of, like, hanging off of her chair slightly. I don't know what they were trying to convey. No. There were a lot of weird poses in this show where they were like, well, we can't have everyone just doing the exact same thing. Uh, yes, you can. They're all sitting in chairs. They're yeah. all military officers sitting in chairs. They would all look, like, relatively the same. No, make her kind of cash. But she then goes, oh, I'm getting some sort of distress signal, or she's getting some sort of radio frequencies. Yeah. And they realize it's coming from this beautiful spaceship that looks looks very organic in design. Mm-hmm. It's ten times the size of the Enterprise. It's got all these, like, pods that are connected by sort of arteries almost. It's yeah. really cool looking, actually. Yeah, and it, this is one of the... It, it, it was very Roger Dean yeah. uh, album cover. It was very... Yes. They're very into yes on this planet. Yes. It's, it was really cool, though, like, to see there was this and, and, like you mentioned, like, the bug aliens and, like, some other things where it's like, oh, yeah, in animation we could do all this crazy shit that, yeah. like, in the show would have been, you know, I don't think they would have been able to make a model of this kind of, like, organic yeah. sort of grown but Like, it looks like something sort of, like, out of, um, uh, like, a, it looks like a Farscape ship. Yeah. Like, it's, like, crazy, like, They went very cool. organic with yeah. the design, which they comment that it's, it's it appears to be something about it they can tell. It's, it's like, over grown. 300 million years yep. old. And she says, Uhura says something about, like, what an advanced species to be able to make even a starship that beautiful. Yeah. Which is, I thought was actually kind of a cool yeah. concept. Yeah. Uh, and they go, well, if, you know, it seems to be completely destroyed. There's no life signs that we can detect. Um which it was a very basic, like, well, it's very cold and I don't see any heat signatures. Y'all haven't run into any, like, ice aliens yet? Or, like, just aliens yeah. who require different levels of 
I feel like temperatures this, like this it seemed like a very nope definitely there's no life on it I don't see any heat signatures I feel like this is one of the days Spock showed up to work and was kind of like uh fuck it uh there's no heat signatures I don't know don't ask me why I know I just know there's nobody there I just can sense it <laughs> stupid humans can't tell this shit but it's you know they go down so they beam down to the ship and they do, um, they have their, uh, these belts. Life, life support, belts. Life support belts. Yeah. Which is actually kind of cool, um, because they put on these belts and it's basically like, it's a, it's a glowing aura around them that just protects yeah. them. It's a full body force field. Yeah. Which is like a bit, uh, you know, it's kind of silly. It's, there's a reason that you've really never seen that in any other show like that. People have different versions of what a spacesuit would end up looking like, but it's yeah. usually not. There's just a glow. They put on a big belt. Yeah. They put on a big utility belt they borrowed from Batman, the animated series, and they just get a glow around them that protects them. But it means that they can land on part of the ship that's been blown open. Yeah. And they use that shot twice. It's a non-animated static shot of like just some little teeny outlines, like, like mm-hmm. silhouettes of them standing on part of the ship. And it actually looks very cool. Like, I Yeah. Say, Somebody spent some time drawing this particular still, you know. Yeah, and the, it, what's what's interesting is that for the the, you know, this is a filmation production similar to, uh, uh, you know, Johnny Quest or I mentioned. Oh, uh, I didn't realize it was Sequest, the same uh, company or C Lab Twenty Twenty or whatever earlier. Um, like, even though there's the crabbiness of the animation, like somebody working on this production had a scope of imagination yeah that that some of it did come across which yeah. i was you know when we were talking about thinking it was going to be kind of chintzy or kind of lame yeah like at least in this episode like some cool sh- like there was some cool sci-fi visuals yeah i mean bug aliens is a little cliche yeah. and when we eventually see a video recording of the aliens who originally lived on the ship it's like you know it's just like yeah. It's a big fly. It's got big bug eyes. It's a little, it's very cliche, but like kind of made monstery with different colors. Yeah. However, the design of the ship, it's kind of neat. They're like, oh, the, the hexagonal structure looks like a bee, you know, like a honeycomb the bees would build, but also the metal that the hull is built out of doesn't appear to have been forged. It looked like it's been spun like a spider's web. Yeah. It's like, okay, those are kind of cool ideas. I'm still a little bit like bug aliens. It's so cliche. Right. But it was kind of cool. I didn't mention, speaking of eyes, no one on this show has like... What's Irises? The... No. Yeah. The white they're... part of your eye. Yeah, the white part of your eye. Their eyes are an outline of your eyelid, of the, of the, of the opening of your eye, and then a big black dot in the middle. Nobody has irises or whites or anything. Every, it's just whatever their skin color is, is it's filled in, and there's a big black dot. It's a weird thing to to, to half-ass, because it's very distracting. Like, yeah. It makes everyone look instantly fake. It's very odd. Now, the fact that they didn't always animate people's legs properly, I'm kind of like, well, you're, look, you're looking at someone's face, generally. Right. There were several shots where Sulu is sitting at the helm, and he's got knees to he's got he's got shins that go from the top from the chair to the floor and he's got a torso that goes up from the chair but on the the the, the seat of the chair itself there no legs there's just nothing yeah. there's nothing there's, there there's nothing and there's at least one shot of kirk where they forgot to color his pants in black and they're colored in the same gold as his shirt so it just look like he's wearing a onesie or like a dress it's kind of great it's yeah there's there's a lot of there's so much like dubious 
animation. Uh, we'll t- oh, when yeah. we talk about Mr. Kyle, I have some thoughts. Oh. Well, we'll get there. But also, everyone more or less had the same... All the men had, like, the same facial structure and body type, except Spock. Yeah. They pointedly make, made Spock a little more slender and having a slightly more pointed face. Yeah. But, like, everyone else is just standard square-jawed man face. And then they tweaked some of the features to make it look like the actor in question. But right. Like, not much. Uh, you know, DeForest Gelly... Or, I mean, you know, Bones had a few more wrinkles. Yeah. <laughs> to make him look right. But yeah, it, it, the animation's not good. So they land on the ship. They start walking around something. A door closes. They get trapped in the room or something. They, Stuff starts yeah, to they, go awry. They manage to find, like, the control center or yeah. something. Yeah. A room that is more intact than the others. Yeah. And they suddenly can no longer contact the Enterprise. Their phasers don't work. That So they try to figure out what's going on. And they're like, well, this part of the console looks... Like, it wasn't part of the original ship. It looks like it was sort of jerry-rigged, which I was like, okay. Apparently that dialogue didn't make it through to the people designing this because no part of it looked yeah. jerry-rigged. It just yeah. looked like everything else in the room. Just there. And then they managed to play a recording of this hilarious bug alien that Spock managed to, by literally just hovering his hands over the buttons, made it translate into English, which is amazing. He goes, I may be able to work out a translation. And he just reaches towards the console. And I'm like, how would he know which buttons to push? Nothing's it's- labeled. That this is from a alien species that's so much more advanced than them and also was 300 million years ago. How would he begin to know what to do? But he just hovers his hands over the console and the voice gets more and more clear and eventually becomes, danger, danger. We must destroy our ship. Or it will escape into the world, and so we must destroy it, or whatever. Uh. Oh, sadness. And then they, shit starts to explode. Everything's going wrong, and magically they get beamed off at the last second, even though they said they had lost contact with the Enterprise. Yeah, it's like there's something about the control center that they find has a protective force field around it. And that's why they're cut off from the Enterprise. Oh, yeah, And then yeah. when the ship self-destruct, or the control center self-destructs, the force field drops and there's a split second and they get beamed out. But it's it's like... They didn't really explain that. A, yeah. That's a good explanation, but they didn't really say But it. they have arrived back in the transporter room. With and Mr. Kyle. They have been beamed out by <laughs> Mr. Kyle, who has, for no apparent reason, a giant, like, floofy handlebar mustache. Just a comical mustache. And his accent is like, I'm from all of the British Isles at once. Yeah, He's like... Funny. Hello, gents. Welcome back to the ship. Oh, no. There appears to be something in the computer. Yeah. I'm no, lost that's track basically of what he's saying. And it's he's just like, all over the he's place. He's all over the place. And, like, looking at this character, it's like, what the hell? But then, like, thinking back to, like, the filmation, like, style, it's just like, I think they just had, like, a... a, a, a a film cell of James Doohan operating the transporter controls, and then they just slapped a mustache. Like, how do we make him look different? Give him a mustache. I'd like to imagine them sketching. Yeah. Not still just it just it just looks like. Yeah. Scotty with a mustache. Okay, bigger mustache. No. Bigger. 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 Full beard. No, too much. It wouldn't be regulation. Yeah. But somehow that handlebar mustache, this regulation facial hair. So damn good. It's oh my god. Comical. But anyway. Also, I feel like Mr. Kyle's isn't Mr. Kyle a character in the show? I feel like I've heard that name before. I maybe. 
Or maybe we use that name in an episode, in a production of After Trek. Anyway, we won't get into that. But on we go. So of course they've accidentally beamed something back to the ship with them. That's never happened on Star Trek before. And it's just like a green glowing thing. And they're like, oh no, we have to send it back. And freaking Kirk runs over and just body checks Kyle out of the way. <laughs> what? Like, it's not, you're the captain. This is, this is his job. You're not. Yeah. Probably super well versed in how this console even works. You're like you're not this isn't your And of course he fails. Yeah. The green glowing force just splits everywhere and goes into a bunch of other parts of the ship and disappears. It's it's amazing. He 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 body checks Kyle out of the way. It's yeah. like I feel bad. Move for over, Kyle. nerd, I'll handle this. <laughs> like what? Yeah. And then they're like, oh no, now it's in the ship or whatever. And immediately things start going awry. Certain parts of the ship are losing life support. Uh, they, things are all going crazy. They lose control of the ship. And suddenly, uh, oh, yeah. I think uh, Spock says, it seems to be accessing our databanks. Yeah. So the, the whatever the, the entity is, it's somehow it's it's magnetic. Yeah. Spock keeps talking about how it's magnetic. And it, it, it like infects the ship like a parasite infecting a host body and possesses it. It could possess... It's like... He he uses the word possession, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. But then he says it's a magnetic current fluctuating, and there's like a beep, beep, beep yeah. thing happening. And then Kurt goes, almost like the beating of a heart, Mr. Spock. <laughs> which, what? Why? I forgot to mention, though, when it first, when the green glowing force, whatever, first like embeds itself into like an air duct or whatever, we hear a, ah, ah. Uh, like, oh, yeah. good thing that this 300 million year old alien force knows how to laugh like a cartoon villain. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. It's, it's ridiculous. Then he uh, accesses the databanks. It accesses the databanks, which actually was pretty great um, explanation for why it was to suddenly uh, communicate. And he goes, Captain James T. Kirk, you will obey me. You will fly the ship yeah. away with me. And, take and then they go, oh, no, this thing can uh, reproduce itself. By mitosis, which, how do they know that? How do they figure I, that out? They just know it. Spock knows it. The same Spock way he can. Spock just knows things. He could just point his hand at a console and make it do uh, English. English. Yeah. They, uh, they realize that if they leave and take this entity with them, by the time they connect with anyone else, it could take over the whole galaxy, basically. They're like, immediately, we are at DEFCON 5. Immediately, this is universe ending yeah. stuff we are dealing with in episode one of this children's cartoon and they realize you know we can't do it and honestly he's like well that someone says well that's why they must have self-destructed their own ship yeah because they realized it would do that and kirk just goes well just in case we should be prepared to do the same yeah uh power up the self-destruct system and uh, have it on standby and he's very cash about it he's like yeah. well just to be safe we uh should be prepared to self-destruct and i'll kill ourselves so the the, anyway, the entity <laughs> what's for lunch? the entity in control of Enterprise uh, fires the phasers at the the alien ship and destroys it, like z boops it out of existence. Oh, and it's it's gone. I must have been looking down at my notes yeah. at that time. I missed it's that right. entirely. It's a, it's, well, he also it it also keeps shooting lasers out of like 
this center console in the ceiling, yeah. which is not a thing in the original series. I'm pretty sure we never see the ceiling. They have a ceiling laser. They have a ceiling laser slash intercom that it's speaking to them from. Yeah. And it's also shooting them with lasers that it's like almost kills Kirk. Spock and then it and, tries oh, to yeah. kill Kirk. But of course, even though Spock is the one who has greater strength uh, than a human, Kirk is the one who grits his teeth and makes a pain face. And even though he's being zapped with this yellow and gold, you know, sci-fi laser being all, they're all over him. He still manages to do some things with the console and they, he like points the ship at the, the deadster yeah. and they're drawn back into its orbit and they're like, going to crash. It, and somehow the gravity of the star. They do a slingshot maneuver to escape the gravity but of the deadster. But also the, the, the gravity of the deadster pulls the green glowy entity off of the Enterprise. Yeah. And back on to the so they, star. As they, as they do the slingshot maneuver, because they have to fly really close to the planet, Kirk manages to fool the entity into thinking that they're going to crash. Oh, that's what it is. And so yeah, then and it's says, like, it, it, it leaves the ship and then they get far enough away that it can't get back on. Before it realizes what they did. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I, I didn't even totally catch up. You're right. He does specifically say, yeah. it thought that we were going to crash, so it it jumped ship or whatever. And then as they're they're pulling away, because they're still- Because this is Star Trek and we need some nuance, I guess. For some reason, some it Fucking nuance. Has, for some reason, this being still has some sort of audio connection with the- and as they're pulling away and you see the dead star getting farther and farther away, it's going, please don't leave me all alone. So, so lonely. alone. It's like, oh. It's, it's like he was just really lonely, though, guys. Like, who among us has not tried to kill a bunch of people and control an entire ship because they were lonely? I feel like that happens on the show sometimes where, like, yeah, this alien just tried to freaking yeah. just like murder a bunch of people, but would we not have done the same to get back to our friends, yeah. Doc? Yeah. <laughs> Haven't we all done that when we had a really bad headache? <laughs> like, like, oh, he was sick. Like, they always go with, oh, he was sad. He was lonely. Bones. He was scared. Bones, bones. <laughs> we all know you had one too many at last year's holiday party. We don't have Christmas in the future. Oh, speaking of which. That's why I said holiday party. Not speaking. I don't know why I said speaking of which. Not speaking of which at all. It is important to note that when they're first talking about how this this, this is a 300 million year old ship, Kirk says something about like, amazing that they were able to blah, blah, blah so many millenniums ago. <laughs> millenniums. <laughs> and I'm like, I need to know if that was in the original script or that was a, that was a Shatnerism. Was he like... With someone like, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's actually millennia. And he goes, you say millennia, I say millenniums. It's sabotage all over again. Which of us has won a BAFTA? <laughs> are you, you're familiar with that story, right? The yeah. sabotage? Sabotage. If you're, you folks are not familiar, there is some start, I think it was one of the movies. He pronounces it sabotage and someone corrects him and he goes, you say sabotage, I say sabotage. Like it's, it's just the way I say that word. Uh, that's a sabotage in Esperanto, actually. It's pronounced sabotage. So, moving on. Uh, that's it. There is yeah, no moving on. That's the end of the there's episode. There's a closing log entry where, he, where Kirk says, We resume our course and get back to our original planned mission. Star, Star charting. charting. <laughs> it, again, it sounds like the most boring thing ever. Also, we forgot to mention that one of the things they did to be very like, we can do anything with animation, is that there is an alien 
with like a like yeah a, bridge officer is a three armed alien bridge officer. Yeah, he's got, an, he's got an arm coming out of the middle of his chest and uh, some kind of orange skin with like a, a beak. A, some sort of it's like the the, the guy from the old uh, video game. Uh, a Koopa. No, like an <laughs> the, the guy. little orange guy with like a like a trumpet nose. Damn it. Please tweet at us later. I will have already figured it out by the time this episode airs. The little orange guy with a trumpet nose. I am so confused. (laughs) I'll figure it out later and it'll be hilarious. Anyway. Anyway, that pop culture reference failed. The point is they put that guy on the bridge and then the only people who speak in the episode, aside from the main cast, there are a couple of other rando characters. We've got Mr. Kyle and like two other rando guys who have... Who have a few words of dialogue. Yeah. They're all white men. Human mm. white men. Yeah. So they, they put this alien on the ship and then he just stands around and he doesn't say a thing. It's like, yeah. you were like, ah, finally we can have aliens. Well, let's not give him any dialogue though. <laughs> that sounds hard. Oh, let's move on to our first post recap segment. Where did the money go? Where did the money go? Good question. I don't know, Sarah. I mean, yo, good grief. Where did the money go? I, what money? <laughs> Not into the production of this episode. Into hiring the original cast. I, yeah. Who presumably could could command at least a slightly higher salary than a bunch yeah. of random voice actors. But maybe not too much. Yeah. It is it is fascinating that that you know like you look at animation now and just animation is so wild in it's and so it's, it's imagination. Easier. The imagination of animation is well. It's easier to do, also. Yeah, but you got computers and, and but, scanners. But and even even things from you know twenty twenty five years ago, like you know Ren and Stimpy or Animaniacs, like it's they're it's wild and and free and vivacious in a way that this just felt like other than you know the design of the ship and like there was the alien, but he was pretty much just a static frame who yeah. never did anything. Yeah, like it's it's like. The, whoever was writing this wasn't writing it with wild imagination. No. And that's it, what I mean about like... Yeah. they All of the, the fill in the blanks of the Mad Lib of this TOS episode, this Bog Center TOS episode, yeah. all the Mad Lib bits were like, oh, we can have an alien that looks like a bug. We can have a ship that's all pretty and cool looking because we don't have to actually yeah. build it. But they with the actual plot, it was absolutely normal. It was the usual kind of something comes on the ship and tries to take control of the ship and they have to subdue it and yeah. then go back to Star Trek. So, yeah, so. there's where did the money go? Uh, there wasn't any. That's it. Cliffs and ships. Uh, I ship the Enterprise <laughs> because it's a ship. That's the joke. Yeah, <sighs> I got I got nothing here. Like... Yeah, well, it's it's because they're still nothing has been changed here. It's not canon, but they haven't like on. Eh, add some new fun characters yeah. it's still at least in the first episode i mean and i assume they will stick with that through the I, rest of the show i kind of want like a running thing where mr kyle like is secretly like you know kind he has of a different like, mustache in every episode yeah <laughs> or it's just like nobody really knows who he is like wait who are you yeah and like his no he has it doesn't have a different mustache he has a different accent in every episode Hey there, laddies. No, 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 no. We already, we, we already have a Scottish one. You have to be somewhere oh. else. Tell you what, I'm gonna beam you all over there to that there ship there. Ah, sacre bleu! Something is wrong with the controls. 
<laughs> yeah, there's nothing to to ship. No. But um, in terms of at least predictions for the first season, there is not going to be a cliffhanger because there's not going to be any kind of arc. No. This is going to be absolutely something happens to the crew each episode and they have to fix it. it it's very bog standard TOS in that way. Yeah. We're Which, cut off. We've used the phrase box standard four times we? already. No more. But it's yeah. Very it's very paint by numbers TOS. There you go. Let's uh let's move on actually to our next segment. What will this show be? We've already stepped halfway into the segment by pointing out that it's I'm sure it's going to be this every week. Yeah. The the crew encounters a thing, it threatens them, they have to fix it, they move on. I mean, more or less, that's what, I guess I was about to make a broad statement of more or less that's what the show was, but as noted, I have failed as a Trekkie and I've never made it all the way through the original series. But in general, with the original series, by the end of the, you know, 53 minutes or whatever the episodes were, the status quo was pretty much back to normal. The yeah. idea of this sort of ongoing Trek narrative where where things have a f- have an effect for longer yeah. was more a thing that kind of got introduced to the franchise through the, the films. Well, and also, I think it just was less of a thing in TV at the time. Yeah. TV was more episodic because they just, I mean, until uh, reruns kind of became a thing, mm-hmm. there was, you just, you, an episode happened once and then it was gone. So there was no reason to really yeah. try to keep any consistency of yeah yeah but it's yeah i don't see any reason why this would be anything other than just a kind of poorly written but slightly more fantastical because of animation version of the original series yeah like that's pretty much it yeah uh let's move on to final verdict this pilot do the job of a pilot and make you want to watch more which is usually our rubric for whether this was a good uh, pilot in this case it's i mean it's a kid's show like it's kind of all bets are off it only had to hook children into being like yay space adventures but cartoons yay cartoons and uh, i mean arguably probably hopefully getting some fans of the original series to come on over too i i don't know did they did they hope that grown-ups who like the show would watch this cartoon or i think it really i it seems to me more likely for the time period that they were just like no kid kids kind of like the show as well and so let's make it a thing that we can keep making and keep making money off of because it's advertising yeah. but this way also more toys uh, very likely i don't know i just i i am when I was watching this, I watched this pilot twice because uh, I watched it once by myself and then once with you before we recorded this episode. And the first time I watched through it, I was like, I don't understand why this is so maligned. Because like, yeah. it just, it seems fine. It yeah. doesn't seem any worse than like any number of the least, the less well-regarded original series episodes. Yeah, good like, it just point, actually. fine. It was about as bad as I expected for animation at the time. Things that were written for children at the time were kind of regarded as being just, like, throwaway garbage. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I this was not as bad as I expected. I expected it to be more funny bad, more silly. Yeah. And it just was, like, Which might be, you know, fine. I mean, there might be, like, some really, really nadirs coming up in later yeah. episodes or something. But I honestly, like, watching it the second time, I was just blown away that it's only 24 minutes long. It feels 
so much longer. Oh, really? I didn't feel yeah, that way. Yeah, like, and I think maybe part of that for me is it's just like everything that happens in this pilot happens because it's what would happen in a Star Trek episode. Like, no, none of the incidents feel organic. The only moment where there's like anything lively happening is that Mr. Kyle and then Kirk shoving him out of the way. Yeah. Because it's like a the confusing most interesting situation. thing in the episode is is Kirk body checking Kyle for no reason. It and it is it is fascinating to me because, you know, when you look at Star Trek as a whole, the the moments in Star Trek where we we really sort of are compelled by them are the ones where they're talking about a difficult choice. Or a difficult situation that is yeah. some sort of mirror of the modern day. And this pilot did none of that for me. Yeah, there was no morality play yeah. in this. There was no... They they tagged a little bit of the vibe of it on with the, but I'm so lonely in the yeah. end. But yeah, it wasn't uh, Twilight Zone in space. Yeah, there was... Yeah, which, which like I think when Star Trek, especially the original series, is at its best is when it uses the sci-fi dressing to... To basically be Twilight Zone in space. To yeah. give us something thoughtful. And this just wasn't thoughtful. And yeah, I know we've talked about it being made for kids. But the reason that it's just a no for me. That I don't think I will watch any more of it. Is that it just. There's no. It just felt like nobody was putting much thought into it. Except for whoever was designing the alien spaceship. Which yeah. was rad as balls. Yeah. The, yeah, I would have expected going into this, that if I was going to end up answering, yeah, I want to watch more of this, would not be because it was unexpectedly good and had unexpected value. It would be because it's funny how bad it is. It's entertaining how comically ridiculous and over the top either all of the, like, cartoony, if they added a lot of cartoony, quote-unquote, stuff to it with, like, wacky aliens and, and shenanigans happening, or because it was, like, so, so badly made. But... It wasn't that bad, and it wasn't that wacky with the shenanigans. It was just pretty much they just you know space adventures, but animated. Yeah, they 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 stripped out kind of the morality play part, and they went a little farther with hey, we can do bigger designs of spaceships. Yeah. We can do technology that we couldn't have depicted on the show, but then. They they didn't have any of the like the one alien and they added to the crew didn't yeah. talk. And it, it the plot itself was still very bog standard TOS. So damn it, I said bog standard again. The plot still was very. They don't have bogs in the future. TOS. I I guess sort of my final thought on all of this. Yeah. As we're wrapping this up, is that this felt a lot like. I I kept thinking of Star Trek the motion picture, when I was watching this because. Suddenly they have this bigger canvas to play on. They can they can show bigger, crazier spaceships or weirder mm -hmm. aliens mm -hmm. or wilder visuals or, you know, they can do stuff like that. But that's not what makes Trek great. That's not what makes any sci-fi great. What makes it great is the stories. Are we are we telling a compelling story or asking a compelling question about humanity or morality or something like that? Mm. And I don't just... know. I'm really only in it for the wacky space adventures and aliens and stuff. Well, the, I don't care about uh, morality. That's fine. <laughs> but, it, you know, I just, I remember here, I've heard those criticisms against the motion sure. picture as well. Yeah. And it was just interesting to get another opportunity to see a bigger, louder, brassier Trek yeah. that didn't really have anything on its mind. Yeah. And that's, I think, where I'll leave it. Like, it didn't really have anything. 
on its yeah. mind. It didn't I'm have much. S- I'm so sick of talking about this. I thought I was. Ga- I was. I thought we were gonna have so oh, much fun with this. I thought this was gonna be way more fun than it was for sure. And I mean, there were a few little things that we didn't end up mentioning. That everyone does a lot of weird poses. Like the animators, di- the animators just didn't want to draw people just standing around, so they gave people uncharacteristic poses. Like when they're standing watching this mysterious alien message. Um, at first, uh, Scott, just his arms crossed, like, nah, I'm not impressed. And then later in the scene, Kirk is just standing there with his hands on his hips, very yeah. like, oh, so, uh, you know, it's like a they man just... surveying his kingdom. It was just very like, hmm, they... what an interesting, mysterious alien yeah. ship that seems to be self-destructing. It's... I'm just going to stand with my legs, spread my arms and my hips like a hero. It's like they got all of the reference, like, poses and, and photos from, like, you know, the publicity stills for season two. <laughs> oh, and they just traced them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's a filmation just traces over, like, mm-hmm. film cells. It, uh. They just accidentally traced over Look, some guys that didn't have legs. Listeners, if you're still with us after this <laughs> slog through a bog of standard. Aha! <laughs> please, <laughs> like, if there is an episode of this animated series that is, like, the legendarily horrible, like, what the hell, why the fuck was this made? Yeah. Tweet or, it at us. Or legendarily funny for being yeah. very wacky and kids cartoony, either. If it's just the reason the show is maligned is because it's just kind of blah and lame. That's whatever. But like, if there is some reason, like there's an episode that's like, oh, holy shit. Like that's the one you need to see to understand what this is like hopscotch on DS nine levels of what the heck is going on. Like, like tweet it at us. I'm, I'm currently rewatching DS nine. I haven't gotten to the hopscotch episode, which I don't recall from my initial watch when it was on the air. So that's something to look forward to. Well, and also, one of the reasons you and I were so excited to talk about this show is that we're both big Star Trek nerds. Yeah. And the premise of our podcast didn't really allow for us to talk about any of the Star Trek shows because we have seen most of them. So it was kind of exciting to realize that, oh, yeah. I mean, we initially intended this to air in the first season when we were still adhering strictly to our premise of shows we had never seen anything of. And we were just excited that there was a Star Trek show that neither of us had ever seen any of. And then... It just didn't give us much to now talk about. Now we know why. Yep. <laughs> so on that note, gentle listeners, bye! bye. No perfect rendition of the theme song. You're welcome, Alexander Courage. We finally realized your original vision. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pilot House. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pilot House Pod. Visit our website at pilothousepodcast.com or email us at pilothousepodcast at gmail.com to suggest future shows. Our podcast is entirely listener-supported, so thanks this week to our supporters Christopher and Chris. Visit patreon.com slash pilothouse to find out how you can become a series regular. Even if your name isn't Chris. Pilot House is a Herringbone Society production. That whole thing is going on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> if we could only have remembered to look up the lyrics before we sang that. Oh my god! <laughs> Beyond the rim.
rim of the starlight. I would have to look him up. I've memorized. Oh. My love is wandering in starlight. Stop, you're hurting me. Uh, something oh. I know is something star clustered reaches. Love, strange love, a star woman teaches. Okay, we get it, Gene. You're horny for space girls. <laughs> Calm down. 